Did you really drag me in here to listen to another one of your podcasts? Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. Want a juice box and some string cheese? <laughs> Do you really have that? Fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. That's like 16 walls. Flawless victory. Mother? What's wrong with me? Darling, I don't have to answer to you. I'm Batman. Why'd you open your bonghole, you smelly hippie? It's clobbering time. This is the men who look bad in spandex? That's disgusting. Are you seriously calling it that? Max. Yo, Steve, what's up? Not a lot, buddy. How you doing? Oh, it's been a while, man. Nice to touch base with you. Yeah, yeah. You been okay? Yeah, yeah. The world's crazy, and that's... Pretty normal for everybody, so yeah. <laughs> you haven't uh, been bitten by any radioactive insects, nor developed some sort of um, radioactive-driven, latent sort of superpower? No, nothing cool. I mean, I got this pain downstairs, but it's not the same, I don't think. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Like in the knee? Like a pain in the knee and ankle? <laughs> sure. Okay. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's a plumbing issue. You know, it's uh, it was more a joke about radiation. That's what it really was. <laughs> you, know, you, go get, you, you go get x-rayed, and they're like, it obviously it didn't land away. Anyway, it's, it's fine. When you go to the x-ray, they're like, we're going to cover that part up. And I'm like, okay. All jokes. Nothing's wrong. It's fine. I love it. <laughs> they say that they're going to cover that part up, and they do. They give you like a thick lead bib, and then they run behind a wall that's like four to five <laughs> feet thick. And then they look exactly. at you, look at you from behind glass that was made for a space station and say... Everything is all right. You will right. hear you will hear a short noise. Do not be alarmed. And you're like, wait a minute, bro. You're like 35 feet away. How am I not supposed to be alarmed? I'm the only one in here. This is a room that's full of scary looking machines. Right. Right. Lead paint on the walls for sure. <laughs> so I'll keep so I'll keep it inside, man. I like that. It's funny. If I was a hospital architect, I would put blood on the walls. I'd plain them. Just mess with people. <laughs> Man. Right? It's, I mean, at least in, at least in the uh, surgery room, just for kicks. Yeah. Most people see that the doctors anyway and the nurses and right? people that actually get in the wrong place in movies and they're scared. I think humor is very important for coping, my friend. Very important. So if you wake sure. up in the middle of your surgery and you're not laughing at the blood stains on the walls, I, you know, we probably can't be friends. <laughs> Man, I, you know, that would be a disturbing, uh, that would be a disturbing scenario. You know, kind of on this topic, Steve, um, CBS, the man behind Top 5 Comics, if you don't know where he is, you need to. He is in the Hillcrest Plaza off First and Orchard, all your comic book needs right there. Find him on Facebook at Top 5 Comics. Steve, you know, you get in those hypotheticals with your friends, right? Your close friends about sure. what would you do, like, if you had this, like, certain situation and those hypotheticals come up? So we were discussing about the best sci-fi movie weapon or device of all time. And the Cosmic Cube came up for sure. The Infinity Gauntlet came up for sure. But it was a buddy of mine who mentioned the Neuralizer from Men in Black about, especially with like how much you could get done with something like that. Now, I'll tell you, Steve, I would be the president of the United States if I had a Neuralizer, but I'd also be a criminal. Now, those two are usually, you know, one and the same, but I do know I could do a lot of things with a Neuralizer, my friend. Oh, no, that's definitely true. And the amount of things you can get done, can take care of, get away with. I mean, and you're right. When it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to criminals and politicians, there's a, there's a line there that's definitely blurred. So, yeah, uh, 
Man, that's a good one, man. I know. I said that, too. I thought it would be, you know, something stereotypical, like a lightsaber or, you know. Well, I mean, lightsabers are flashy, and they are fantastic, but, I mean... It's like a hot butter knife that you know yeah. you got to be really careful with. But the Jedi's will give a lightsaber to like people who make minimum wage. Man, there's not a lot of <laughs> tests that you go through. You have some weird old man in a hood and says, "Oh, you look like you're good to me," and then you go to the Jedi Council. I don't know how else it works. I might be wrong. I'm I'm not totally boned up on my Star Wars protocol, brother. You might know more than me. <laughs> you know, I think that's more of a. Uh... Ah, Old Testament, New Testament kind of thing. Because yeah. in the old days, there clearly were rules. Uh, modern days, I mean, like you said, he he did hand it to Luke and said, "Hey, here's your five lightsaber." And the first thing he did is look down the hole. So that's not a good idea, <laughs> right? That's basically what I was. Yeah. I was basing yeah, my right. entire analogy off of that one scene. No, that's exactly what it is. One hundred percent. That and Jake Lloyd getting just straight burnt hard by Yoda. Oh, just, yeah. just, Yoda's like, yeah, you you might be good, but you're not that good. Right, well, I mean, back in the old days when there was rules, you know, Well, as far as things, like, I, I mean, he wasn't, yeah, Yoda was always a naysayer, but he wasn't wrong, so. No, he wasn't. You know. He wasn't, but I just think that's some hilarious 2022 gaslighting when you have Qui-Gon Jinn coming to your desert planet saying, hey, you're the chosen one. And the next thing you know, you go to the big city, and you're like, oh, you're not so special anymore, are you? Oh, poor Jake Lloyd. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I have a lot of problems. I have a lot of problems with the first three movies, but uh, and, the, and the last three movies, but whatever. Anyway, you could probably explain this better to me, man. Um, is, you said Old Testament, New Testament, Steve. Is uh, the Battle of Yavin basically like the death of Christ in Star Wars? <laughs> Man, if you're going to get more hardcore, then I guess so. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I thought that was a legitimate question. Is that... We can avoid... No, no. Okay. As far as, uh, like, basically the separation between the two things, Old Testament would be movie four, five, and six. So, I mean, it'd be the... Uh, Got it. The, the upcoming of things. So, I guess I, I guess you'd still say that that would be the turn of Vader, but... Uh, or the... It's just a revelation. It wouldn't be a... You know, I guess so. And Valley Avenue gets talked about a whole lot as being a big pivotal point. Man, I that would bear a little more thought, but I I don't disagree with that. Okay. But I I know I'd almost see the death of Obi Wan Kenobi is is a little more Christ-like. I, I don't know because we're already in process when we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. As far as a movement for the people themselves, so let's say the the, the rebellion, then yes, Battle Yavin would probably be the spot. But it's also the turning of the tide. So, I, you know, if you're going to try to stream a piece that's like that, gosh, man, it would be between those two for me. It's... The, uh, the sacrifice of Obi-Wan Kenobi because he sacrifices himself to let the others escape and force Luke to make a decision where to be. And even though it leads to a revelation later and Obi-Wan was entirely forthcoming with the truth, as far as a turning point, that is what shaped Luke to be where he is. Because before that, you know, he was there to save a hot chick. He wasn't really worried about the rebellion so much. And <laughs> after he's mixed into it, and he's like, ah, well, you, you killed Obi Wan, so yeah, no. Yeah. And I'm sure forward, but I'm sure man, also that's a. Go ahead. Oh no, you're good. Yeah, no, that's a good. That's a I, as far as a placement. I guess I never thought about that well, part. You know, I guess you could for his dour. And kind of misogynistic attitude, 
as far as Luke Skywalker goes in the final three movies, look, just just try to walk in the guy's shoes, all right? And you said it perfectly. You know, you, you join the rebellion for a girl, and then they kill your mentor, and you find out the girl you join the rebellion for is your sister. And it's, you know, I mean, you kind of... You kind of get shunted almost out of the way. The Skywalker saga or bloodline or, I don't know, archetype, whatever you call it for Star Wars. I mean, it's it's pretty tragic, man. I never really thought Luke got any sort of justified uh, closure in his entire story arc. Movies alone. Movies alone. I don't think Luke got any closure whatsoever. And maybe it was because of the whole Ben Solo stuff. I mean, it's. I guess it's just too easy to nitpick, you know? <laughs> well, when it comes to pieces, I mean, one of the great things about Star Wars really is that it's designed generational. And, like, depending on what you came up with, that's your Star Wars. And whether that's the... Uh, as I call it, the Old Testament, or it's the New Testament, which would have been the prequels, or the books of Kathleen, which is what the uh, current batch of books, movies are. Because, you know, she's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> there's, still, there's still pieces in there that are good. In, in all those chunks, there's, there's still pieces that are neat. Darth Maul, awesome. Like, he, he's great. Yeah. As far as the lightsaber battles, also great. Qui-Gon Jinn, okay, really cool. Is he half Obi-Wan Kenobi? Sure. But he's still pretty cool. So we have lots of things that we need in both pieces. Granted, um, when it comes to the books, like I said, being what you saw first is probably what you like best. And in the grand scheme of things, with the New Testaments, so the Kathleen stuff, um, not New Testament, sorry, books of Kathleen, sorry. The Ray stuff has merit, but it gets a lot of control. And when we get to the second movie, and it's not that Ryan Johnson can't make good movies. Because the dude can. Nice Out's great. And he's got a couple other ones that are notable. Should he not have been making Star Wars movies? I'm going to say he probably shouldn't have been. Because the thing is visually stunning until you pay too much attention to the throne of battle and you realize half the things don't hit. And while it's all moving at a really quick, cool pace, a second or third viewing and you realize that things are happening that don't make any sense. So, you know, there's that. But the rest of the movie is pretty. When we do the light speed jump... Whether it makes sense for physics or not, the way everything goes quiet and then it happens is very stunning and very pretty. Regardless of Camino being a stupid thing, <laughs> if you're going to go to Vegas, go to Vegas, bro. But if you go to Vegas, you know who you're going to find? Lando. Because where does Lando belong? Vegas. <laughs> Come on, man. Police of Toro? Sure, he belongs in Vegas, too. Even in the Vegas jail. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> but there's no Lando? Come on, now. Mm. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Like That's his whole bag. So rather than being pointless, it was still very pretty. Yeah. But, you know, he wanted to have a soapbox and be like, war is bad and stuff. Yeah, dude, war is bad. We all know that. Like, does Star Wars need to tell me war is bad? No. Not at all. Like, really doesn't. So oh. there's a whole sequence of that that is wasted in a way that it, it could have been important. I mean, if we would have gone to that planet to find Lando, and Lando turned out to be the person we were looking for, and... Even if we miss Lando because he's busy playing cards and we wind up with Del Toro as a follow-up character, which is cool because he's neat, at least there was point to the rest of the trip. And all of his fans of the Old Testament are like, oh, man, look, it's Lando. And then we're like, well, I don't remember more Lando on this thing. So we get to the next movie, which works out okay. 
But instead, we get some dude who is, a, I think, the husband of one of the producers wearing a you know neat James Bondy suit for no reason, and matters literally not at all. <sighs> Other than he gets his you know five seconds of fame or whatever, which I understand five seconds of fame, I do. But come on, man! Like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. I, so there's plenty of things in that movie that are just a mess, and I guess. there are people that love it too. There are people that, that definitely love that movie and cannot understand the rest of us being like, "How you do look, do, look dirty?" And they're like, "Well, you know, he's old because <laughs> it wasn't their wasn't their time." You know, you ageist. Their, they just don't, you know. Yeah, they just don't get it, they don't get it the same way. And well, they look at Luke and they say, "Oh, he was a whiny kid." Look, and truth be told, he kind of was at the beginning, but he grows into being a hero. That's the whole point. Steve, I'm not a misogynist, man. I'm not. I don't need a white savior. I don't need a dude coming in and rescuing a damsel in distress. But I would like, if you're going to give, you know, Carrie Fisher force powers, can she do a lightsaber battle? Can she force choke someone? I don't care, man. I just want to see it. I don't need implications. I have plenty of implications given to me by society on a regular basis about how I should and shouldn't act. Am I right here, Steve? Now, am I am I way off base? But like, I go to see <laughs> I, I go to see laser blasts, spaceships, lightsabers, and mysticism represented by actual physical manipulation. You know what I mean? That's what I go to a Star Wars movie for. And when I don't get that, I yeah, I'm gonna be like, what's happening here? Why are these retread tropes? just put like pastiches on you got Han Solo but he's Oscar Isaacs yeah blah 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 thanks for listening to my rant as well because uh, I just had to get it off my chest I don't feel like I need masculinity or femininity to define these roles and that is my problem you know uh, like I don't care you can give me a red Sonya in Star Wars you can you can give me an atomic blonde in Star Wars I don't mind. I, I don't think... You, I, anyway, I guess I just get tired of my entertainment trying to teach me a lesson or try to so hard say something about the world it's in. You know, I, I think Van Gogh did it best. Like, Van Gogh cut his own ear off because he went absolutely nuts because everybody who <laughs> wanted his art would come up to him and say this. Well, you know, and like dysentery and drinking and, you know, the 1800s did a lot of that too, but... Look, man, if you cut your own ear off to avoid your fans, uh, are you an artist? Are you an entertainer? What what are you? I, I don't get it. Is that what it is here? Are we cutting our own ear off to make a point? Is Ryan Johnson like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mess this entire series up so bad just to prove a point. You know, I don't I don't necessarily think he approached it that way initially. I mean, that that's what the outcome feels like to most of us. I don't think that's how he approached it. I think whenever he, he came to it, they said, here's all the things J.J. Abrams did. Make his Empire Strikes Back. And he's like, uh, okay. And then he went about making this movie. And I think the problem is that, that the people in charge didn't really realize that the things that happened in Empire that came from people outside of George Lucas that made the biggest impact on the entire franchise were things that were co-done. So had him and J.J. both worked on stuff, maybe it would have unfolded differently. But I think they thought that they would get the same magic that the original movie had by going with your safe movie-making bet, which was not what George Lucas was back then, but let's just say that's what he was supposed to be for J.J. Abrams. And you bring another guy in who's you know seasoned in a different format of film and media, and they say, hey, drive the boat, dude. And they would just get something totally, totally different and 
oh, theoretically amazing, or whenever they handed in the list of things, they're like, here's all this stuff that was left over by JJ. Here's our rules. Make sure this is in there. And then told him go. And with pieces there, if it's being driven by a bunch of corporate heads like Kathleen Kennedy, you know, as one to name, she was trying to force a female agenda in Star Wars. She forgot there already was one. Princess Leia is a perfect. She's not a damsel. Yeah, she's in a sticky situation at the beginning, but by the end of it, she's bossing the boys around. Like, she's no, she's no, like, damsel in distress. Yeah, she was in a point where she needed help, but at the end of the day, she's just as important as the boys. And it seems like that's something to know that they didn't realize. So when we get to the, the middle movie and we introduce Rose Tico <laughs> as a thing, yeah, the ships were cool. Can we have a girl pilot lady that's important? Sure, why not? I mean, the, the books and the comics have tons of different characters that are important and tons of female leads that were important. I mean, as far as drawing material, there's so many places they could have picked characters from <laughs> to move forward with, and they're just like, no, we're going to make our own stuff. We don't want to pay those guys money, <laughs> which is the truth. I mean, residuals the are a thing truth. for, for cre- creators, especially during the Dark Horse days. So if all of a sudden we have a bunch of the Dark Horse books turn into movie properties, then there's a whole list of people but, looking for a paycheck. But those are, the, are, they, are they, those are the best huh? days, Steve. Those are the best days. Not it was no, not, yeah, I, not that like it was, was the Wild West, but you had creators creating, not creators put into a box and said, "Do this, and we'll pay you." Right. Well, and like the stuff that was going on in Dark Horse, it, it, the thing that was great about it is that. Everything from Dark Horse went through an approval process over at LucasArts. Now, that wasn't George sitting there with the mallet, I don't think. But it went through somebody there to make sure it fit in canon and wouldn't break the universe. And then we ran forward, whether it was the Old Republic stuff, whether it was the Legacy stuff, whether it was the Crimson Guard stuff. Regardless of what it was, it all went through a process to make sure it fit in what already existed. When Disney bought everything, they said, well, we'll just cut those guys off because we don't want to pay a whole bunch of dudes that wrote novels because there's a lot of novels, too, not just comic books. I mean, Ari Salvador wrote the novel with Chewbacca's death. And it's, to quote him, because he said this first, if you're going to get somebody to kill, to assassinate somebody, you get, you get an Italian. And the man did fantastic. <laughs> like, the, book's, the book's good. It, it, it's heartbreaking, but Chewie dies saving one of the kids. And now, at that point in time, we still had... Leia and Han having three children rather than just one, you know, Kylo Ren, I guess. But as a thing, rather than take that avenue and using that other stuff, they decided to make their own canon and move forward because now they own it. So, you know, cut off whatever else would have been something they could that, that they would have had to pay other people for. And again, I'd, without knowing more about the residual rules about that stuff, it's hard to say like where, how much money would have gone different places, but those companies that made those books paid those writers. And so ultimately that, property and that, that that stuff that was reused would benefit both another company and another writer. So I, the laundry list of people could have been, well, huge. I mean, when you look at the stack of Star Wars books as novels, there's a ton of them. So God forbid you take pieces from all of them and it'd just be awesome. But you, you got to remember it's still business for Disney, so it's 100%. different. 100%. It but is. like with, with the is. cutting off all those limbs and then moving forward with their own, you know, Star Wars... It wasn't that all the pieces were bad because they weren't. And you're right; it's reimagining of the same stories, and that's what JJ does best. When you look at a Star Trek, whether you are a Star Trek purist and hate it, or whether you 
can get behind the Beastie Boys destroying an alien race of nanites, which I kind of can. Is it crazy? Yes, it, it totally is. And it's just because J.J. loves the Beastie Boys, which is fantastic, because why not? Beastie Boys are great. They are. I agree. Yeah. You, right. You know, you lay the blueprint. You lay the blueprint out well, Steve. It smacks at Steve. It's the men who look bad in spandex with Magic Nine Three Point One. <laughs> by the way, just in case you're wondering who the hell are these guys and why are they yelling? Um, we are, yeah, talking. Just you know, first of all, pop culture, comics, all that good stuff. Steve, um, what you said there at the end of that kind of that Star Wars diatribe there, kind of reminded me of the new direction Warner Brothers is going to take with James Gunn. Um, I feel like that decision has already been made, although James Gunn did come out on Twitter recently and say that everything is in the mix as far as old, new, and the things in between when you're talking about movies and shows for the new DC you know, entertainment universe. But I feel... And I think you nailed it on the head with that explanation, and maybe you can expand on it more, Steve, that James Gunn is going to do that just like the Disney people did for Star Wars, simply because it's a smart monetary decision. It's financially sound. Well, it'll be interesting to see like, like what, he, what he picks and chooses to do. I, I think with the Flashpoint movie happening, and regardless of all Ezra Miller's craziness in the world, in what is real and what isn't real and what is, you know, what we're going to understand. I mean, at this point, the best we can understand for real is that he's being charged with burglary and possibly kidnapping and assault. So are all those things bad? They are definitely bad. But if you watch a Chevy Chase movie, this is a Christmas vacation. I mean, the things that happen to his next-door neighbors, even though they are tools, whether it's a lane or not, doesn't matter. <laughs> Is criminal. I mean, he smashes out their window. He cuts down a tree off their property. He basically assaults the dude and her. You got a lot so of like, nerve. The amount of things. You got a lot of nerve for talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> right? It, it's hilarious. And they are, you know, they're horrible neighbors. But as a thing, if there, if there was legal implications, really, the amount of things that happened there on the side of Chippa Chase, the, 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 the charges would look crazy. Right. Especially once we get to Uncle Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it just spiraled downwards because, you know, the way it unfolds and, you know, people realizing with cooler heads what the truth should be, the movie moves along just fine. It's great. And it's not about that at all, which is entirely fantastic. It's a, great, it's a fantastic movie. I love the movie. It's great. Why is the floor all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. <laughs> Oh, exactly. So many good ones. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, man. Oh. So, like, with Desert Miller charges, I'm not saying the guy's not guilty. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there's so many crazy things that happened that until we get farther, understanding exactly what's really happening is hard to say. Yeah. It doesn't change that the amount of stuff put into that movie is, yeah, is what it is. I, I get like, that. It's already there as a right. thing, and it's not... At this date in the game, unless he owns points of the movie, which he probably, which he might, he might. Whether the movie does well or not doesn't change that he's already been paid his portion. Even if he has points, and at that point, I guess we're still technically raking him up some more money. So I guess, you know, if you want to punish the guy because you don't like his media, then don't go. But the movie's designed to be a restart for the universe, and that's what, what Flashpoint was yeah. in the comic. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as this thing, I think if we do, once we do that movie, I think afterwards, whatever shakes out next is fair game because you can use the same Cabal Superman 
and just say, oh, this, this Flashpoint version of the world, eh, Pa Kent didn't die the same way. Superman has a heart. He didn't let his father die in a tornado for no reason. And uh, this one likes to smile sometimes. And we just move forward, which is fine. Um, as far, I have a lot of issues with Superman, man. I know, I know, and I'm sure we talked about that before and, oh, you know, on this show before. Are you going to let your dad die in a tornado in an underpass when you're Superman? That's like the least Superman thing you do, but you do it because you're Superman. Oh, God bless you, Zack Snyder, if you're listening somewhere, somewhere, somehow. Yeah, I, I guess I asked, Steve, because I was reading an article about Patty Jenkins' treatment of Wonder Woman 3 being dead in the water because of the transition to James Gunn and his new vision. So this leaves not only whatever they did with Wonder Woman 84, which is all right, and the first stuff what they did with Wonder Woman, which is fantastic, I guess... Uh, a DC universe on screen without Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot, my bad, Gal Gadot being Wonder Woman. Could you see that? I mean, is Ben Affleck going to be Batman? James Gunn, I think, has a lot of decisions to make, Steve. And mm-hmm. as we both discussed, I don't know if those decisions are going to be the ones every fan wants. I'm very excited and a little uh, trepidatious to see how the Snyder inverse people treat Gunn. Yeah, what do you think? Do you think Gunn? Brings back Gal Gadot just because she's a fan favorite, or I mean, like you said, Cavill can do it. Like if you want to, Affleck can do it. That's the nature of the multiverse. You're like, yeah, he looks like him, but he's not him. Right. With with when it comes to the uh, the casting of things, I don't think I would junk the casting currently because I don't feel like the part of the problems is that with those movies or with the characters is necessarily the actors' portrayal. Really, it's more the scripting around the actors. Um, as far as, like, Godot's concerned, or Godot, if she's wanting to continue to do it, I don't see any real reason to recast her, but again, Flashpoint's like a light switch. So if we're still going to do a connected universe with the same moving forward, uh, you got to look at the Suicide Squad. When you did Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, which is the second one, is a soft reboot. Did you have to watch the first movie to understand it? Not at all. Do we use a batch of the same characters? We did. Do we remove some of the same characters? We did. Do we get brand new characters? Oh, yeah. So as a soft reboot of the universe, even if you do it as a flashpoint light switch, at that point you can recast literally anyone. And I don't necessarily feel like you have to have every person lined out first. But I have a feeling that since James has been involved in both the Marvel side of things and the DC side of things, at this point in the game, if he can't find a middle path that works, I'd be surprised because Feige came from the DC side before he took over, before he went to Marvel and became the Marvel, you know, High King or whatever you want to call him. Yeah, that's a great one. Let's call him High so King. He, right. So he initially was in the DC machine first and then went to Marvel and became this giant thing. So can Gunn become the next Feige? I mean, maybe. The guy's done pretty good so far. I don't necessarily know if I think that a peacekeeper Superman makes sense to me, but with all the care he's shown the Guardians of the Galaxy, I can't think that he wouldn't be able to do both. Whereas when I look at Zack Snyder, I say, well, Zack's got great visuals, and we've talked about it before on here when we talked about the four-hour Snyder cut. It's not that the man can't make movies. It's that he doesn't necessarily understand the characters the way that the fan base does. And whether that's because... His perception is just different, or because that's the style of thing he likes. It, it doesn't change that the fan base in general doesn't like a Superman who would let his dad die. 
doesn't, they don't like a Superman that watches everything burn around him. Uh, they want a Superman that puts out fires and takes care of business. In as far as Cavill's concerned, again, Man of Steel, everything in Man of Steel works okay except for the death of John Kent. The rest of it you can live with. Him destroying gas stations or buildings or whatever. He it's the first time he put on the suit, so you you got to have a grain of salt in there. But once we get to Jeff, Batman and Superman, he's supposedly been Superman now for several years, and the guy's still making decisions on based on what he sees on TV. Otherwise, he doesn't do anything, which is not really Superman-y. Now, that's me shortcutting it and being like, ha-ha, silly. I'm sure he does other things. He, he must have. Otherwise, you know, he's wasting his time. <laughs> but, but as a thing, all the pieces we see in the movie show his non-concern with normal things. I mean... When he stops Batman to, to shake him down and be like, you knock it off, Batman, he lets a truck full of terrorists can drive away firing machine guns down an alleyway. He doesn't do a single thing about it. doesn't blink an eye because he's not there for that. He doesn't care about that, which is not how Superman works. And it's not that Superman can't make mistakes because he can, but that's not how Superman works. No, but sure isn't. For that movie, he would have to have a reason to leave, which they just don't. They give him no reason to leave other than he, he shook down Batman and smacked his hand and told him to knock it off and decided to fly away, which, again, is just not Superman. So right. does it unravel the entire script if he goes and shakes down that truck? It certainly does. It yeah. destroys the entire script. And you're absolutely right. And then that culmination, of course, happens uh, on the same kind of lines that you're describing when the Martha exchange is apparent on screen. That right there is kind of the culmination of the derail. Because you have no longer a generally accepted Batman or Superman. You have, like, one man's vision. And I think that's probably the hardest thing to do as a director, writer, or performer behind these, you know, huge characters. You have to right. do the audience justice. Everybody has perceptions of who Batman and Superman, who Professor X, who Cyclops, who Thor, or Captain America are supposed to be. And if you don't represent at least some, I, I don't want to say stereotype, some, you know, whatever it is, the, the stereotype people come for, I think you're going to get that type of backlash. Right. And it's not, one of those things, best laid plans, and a Snyderverse movie where we see Darkseid controlling Superman, if they would have explained things a little bit better in either version of the movie, and made it a thing where the mother box controlled them, Eventually, we could have gotten something made that all makes sense. Eventually, but there's not enough of a not enough of a fan following by itself to make that movie be the most accepted version of things. Which is why I think DC in the first place shortcut it, and then afterwards all of us complained enough that they're like, "Well, here's the other version, guys." <laughs> so, is, yeah. is it possible that with James Gunn we get a balancing of multiple universes? Sure. Could it be like DC with its its, all, its uh, infinite universes, and one universe is James is the James Gunn universe, and one universe is the Zack Snyder universe, and one universe is the one where Ezra Miller didn't get in trouble for anything? Sure, um, and that's the case. And the TV shows can be their own universe. We have the CW, which we treat them that way, but the things aren't really connected, not really. So maybe James Gunn makes them all connect, and then we do get a Zack Snyder second movie. I think that would drive people more crazy. Than, uh, than uh, me just trying to explain it. But is that possible? Sure. Do I think that's happening they're going to head for it? No, not at all. 
And as far as the casting of other people, I think the Patty Jenkins movie being on hold or being postponed, when it comes to scripts or whatever, I mean, Jeff Johns is a great writer. He writes a lot of great comic books. 84 has lots of pieces in it that don't make any sense. And when it comes to Patty Jenkins, she does she does a good job, too. I mean, she makes great movies. Like, visually, she does things that are amazing. But 84 being the mess that it is, it's hard to say if that's the fault of either one of them or it's the fault of the Warner Brothers machine that said, here's the things we need to have in the movie and just forced them to put things in that don't make sense. Maybe not that don't make sense. Uh, shook it out in a way that neither of the movies got made that, that either one of them wanted. I mean, it's... It's hard to say. I don't think either one of them come out and said, hey, this is my best piece of work because, well, we all know it's not. But as far as the rest of the design was concerned, if the third movie was to be building off of the second movie, the amount of things that are willy-nilly in the second movie, there's just so many that a third movie with the same implications would be a mess. Hmm. The first movie follows so well. But then the second movie, we get the idea that uh, there's no heaven, there's no hell, uh, as far as magic happening in the world, magic exists, which is fine. Uh, but then we also come to the idea that no one's punished for anything they do. Uh, I mean, Cheetah gets away. She keeps her powers, best we can tell. Maxwell Lord goes back to his son, and best we can tell, the U.S. military, the president's Secret Service, delivered him there, as if that makes any sense. And as far as being a bad guy, the only people who know who's a bad guy is us, the audience, Wonder Woman, and Cheetah. Because everyone else just saw a business tycoon take over for a second, have a giant thriving business, and then plummet back down because all of a sudden his stock wasn't worth money. So, like, the way the rest of the world looks at it, they don't realize what he was doing to them. They have no idea he was stealing their, I don't know, whether it would be life or whether it was, depending on what character it was, because he stole different things from different people to continue to fuel himself using the magic. So very monkey paw-like when it comes to stories. Yeah, everybody needs a but, MacGuffin. I understand. Right, exactly. And when it comes to the people around him, even all the people who are working for him, that most of them asked for cars or things that were stupid because they were just in the moment, none of them realized what he had done to them. So, like, as the grand scheme of the world's concerned, he doesn't, best we can tell, he doesn't face any kind of punishment for what he did, which is questionable just in general. Does it break the movie entirely? I mean, I think it kind of does at the end, but we also learn the idea that in Wonder Woman's choices in life, it doesn't matter if the guy downstairs is possessed by, I guess, the soul of her boyfriend. She can do whatever with him, and it's fine. Now, if you reverse that a little bit, I have a feeling that the soapbox would stand a lot different. <laughs> because it's overly questionable. It's not that Chris Pine replaced him and that dude disappeared. No. It's that Chris Pine goes to do around like a puppet, yep. and they did puppet things with him. Oh, the best puppet things, Steve. <laughs> Lucky guy. Oh, man. He has no idea. I mean, there's, no, there's no clear answer to any of that stuff right this second, but I think a, second, a third movie with those same batch of, of rules falls weird. And I, I can't say that it would have been packed. I have no idea what it was even going to be about. I assume it would be some more dealing with Cheetah because of her presence in the world. But even Cheetah, they play her in the movie as a broken person. Um, I mean, she's the sad nerd girl who is just gorgeous if she, you know, even with her, even without her even trying, Kristen Wiig is still pretty. Even when she's trying to be as nerdy as possible, we give her a little bit of, a little bit of makeup, and all of a sudden she turns into, a, like, a demon, which, I mean, is a real thing in life, too, because it happens. <laughs> well, Steve, kind of, Steve, 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 come on. 
All right? No need to be bitter about past relationships. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Just because somebody didn't want to cosplay. Jokes. All jokes. Just because somebody didn't want to cosplay. <laughs> what do you want? To? I know. It's all jokes, brother. No, and, it's all, all jokes. All jokes. All, yeah. all, all, all kidding. Yeah. But I don't think, I, I don't necessarily think that we'll see an unplugging of the same, of all the other characters and the way things lined out with the rest of the, the cinematic universe, the popularity from Aquaman and the popularity from Cabell and the popularity from anybody else around them, I don't think we'll see those pieces leave. Uh, now, granted, I mean, by the time we get past all of it, is it possible that she's just done playing Wonder Woman? I yes. Mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's comes, that has to be something we consider, too. Right. Look at Robert um, Downey Jr. Look at Chris Evans. Right. No, exactly. And so when it comes to Batman, I mean, I do feel like Ben, ben Affleck's retiring as Batman came because of other things in his life happening mm-hmm. and the swirl around it being such a mess. And, uh, I mean, I, I've talked to you about it before and yeah. I'm sure I've talked to our audience before about it, mm-hmm. but whenever he made that live by night movie and it got so overshadowed by just the idea of Batman, I, that does something to a person, especially when they are already a celebrity by themselves, namesake wise. And then you put him next to Batman, which is a celebrity, a much bigger uh, yeah. thing than, you know, Ben, or any of the people that played him, really, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Gift and a curse, right? Gift and a curse? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, 100%, for sure. It, as far as a thing, I mean, that all all things that shook his life and other things in his life were, you know, in his personal life were, become, were problems, too. So, and I mean, not problems, were, were unfortunate things happening. So, yeah. when it comes to the retirement of him, there were a lot of things that led to it, not just... Yeah, one or two things, or the, the universe itself. It was a matter of a whole conglomeration of things that snowballed and became, right. you know, the, the hang up with the cow, whether it be in Jimmy Kimmel's um, studio or not. Right. As far as the thing, the, him being back would be really cool too. Cause I didn't have any problem with him. I like CrossFit but, Batman. Right. So, like, when it comes to uh, the recasting of things, I think we're still going to have a universe where. Batman, or the Batman, being uh, the kid from Twilight, is its own avenue. I don't think that that thing is going to lead to anything else save for itself. Because it has its own tone, it has its own version of the universe, it has its own circle. Uh, there was a poster that was hung up at the uh, New York Comic Con that had uh, imagery from the, uh, from the DC Universe, the movies. And the Batman that was on it was him. The Superman that was on it was Cavill. The Wonder Woman was Gadot. Uh, the Aquaman was Momoa. That was hard to say, Momoa. Man, I totally, I completely lost it there because I hit Momoa. Anyway, those are the things that were on the poster. Does that mean that it was a uh, what was told was okay to use, or does that mean it was a uh, an idea of what was coming forth? We still haven't heard enough from James Gunn or from uh, oh gosh, the producer guy Peter. The set, yeah. His name. I think it starts with a P. I forgot his last name too, but he's yeah. like the partner in crime, the, the co-chair. With pretty sure it starts with an S. James Gunn. Uh, okay. So, like the two of those guys, depending what their Bible or whatever their layout for Warner Brothers is, which they're supposed to be turning in pretty soon, I guess, um, will give us more of a lean to it. And whether that means that the next big convention we see a like a Marvel map, we see a DC map. It's hard to say. I mean, they're they're sitting in a different place than than uh, Disney does. Just not just financially, but in circles of what they can do and can't do. So, the backside of things for DC is, is a studio. 
it'll be interesting, interesting to see what that shakes out as. But I think the idea of everything still being a thing, which is kind of what they did in the comics. I mean, right now we're just, we're past rebirth now, but rebirth basically told us that all new 52 happened and everything else built before that happened. And it all just sort of exists together. And then they shrugged their shoulders and we went on with stories. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's, least, I, I, most of them shrugged. Not all of them did. That's most such them a did. classic move from those people who occupy those roles. I, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, so you wanted continuity. Whoops, you know? I mean, that's what they're going to tell you because they're the ones cashing the check. There's no way to hold those type of people accountable. I mean, maybe in Cancel with Cancel Culture, sure, but they have to initiate that themselves. There's no sort of financial justification uh, that the fans can use to say this is what this is what we want, and that's why the shoulder shrug will forever be the hallmark of a corporate suit who probably doesn't really give a crap that Batman is an orphan, or you know, like you said, Clark can't let his let his dad die in an underpass. I, mean, right. I yeah. you know, I mean, those, these types of people. Don't look at that. And it, it's tough because when you get to the top all the way to the bottom where we the fans are, there's a lot of things, a lot of filters, a lot of hoops that this has to run through just to get to the light of day. And, you know, the decisions they make, it's 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 fine. I, I guess in the end, I'm excited, uh, but that excitement is tempered because of everything that has happened in the last few years as far as Gunn's new uh, spearheading of the DC uh, Entertainment Universe or whatever it's called, taking it from here on out. I I guess if it's another 10 years of this stuff, sure, why not? Um, maybe it was in the cards. Maybe it was destiny, Steve, as Marvel winds down, DC ramps back up. Maybe, maybe there wasn't room in the town for both of them. You know, it's high noon and somebody's Gary Cooper and the other person is the guy Gary Cooper shoots. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a, that's a good. Uh, I, maybe I I, w- I would still say there's room for both, but there's so years ago when the original Avengers movie for Avengers number one came out, um, I want to be interviewed by a TV station talking about um, DC and what they were doing next, which was all part of the initial talk about the Avengers and blah 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 blah. This is anyway. from 2010 when it came out. The first one, 10 or 12? Yes. Yeah. 10, uh, 2000. Oh gosh, I don't remember the year. 10, I think it was 12. I think it was 12. Maybe I guess I don't remember. It's been it's been a fair minute, but what it, it was the weekend. The interview was happening the weekend of the release of Avengers number one because we were ramping up to it, and the movie hadn't come out yet, and they wanted to talk to someone about. Avengers and about superhero movies in general, um, but eventually the, the tide in the in the interview turned to asking about DC stuff. And at that point, I said, I, "The way things sit right this second, I don't see a Justice League movie working." Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we had not had any of the modern movies. There was no Snyder, no Snyder, no Wheaton, no nothing cut. This is still Wheaton's first Avengers movie. So before people knew he was, before people had mixed opinions about him. And uh, as far as the thing, the idea of Superman movies, we're still uh, talking Brandon Ralph and Chris Reeves, you know, as things. So the way things sit now, because of the previous Justice League movie, I could see a sequel, but we we spun things backwards out of that. Uh, and backwards being that the Marvel trope and the Marvel design worked, where we built all the characters in their own movie, then we made a party movie together, and then we moved forward. Uh, 
does DC need to start over right now? I mean, at this point, if we do another Flash movie that is not Flashpoint, I don't think we need an origin movie, but it would be a different guy, so we'd have to have something that's sort of an origin. Unless they just take Grant from the TV show and they say, hey, the TV show was right, Flashpoint's weird, here's the universe, good luck. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that's a wrong choice. I'm not. I mean, I think that guy's great, and I think that would shortcut and save part of their problems as a thing. Do I think we need a new origin story for Superman in the movies? God, I would love one. I would love one with Henry Cavill, but do I think we need it? Ah, I, I, I don't. I, I, am I dismayed about the choices they made with Pa Kent? 100%. I mean, do I dislike certain things that sit in those scripts? I, of course I do. But if we do a Flashpoint movie, and again, we realign things slightly, and even when we see Mr. Cavill in, uh, in Shazam, or in uh, Black Adam, his tone of his suit is a brighter color tone. Now, is that just lighting? Is it purposeful? I don't know, but I heard Chris Reeves' music behind it, and that made me happy. So I'm going to say it was a purposeful choice. And that means a lighter, more Reevesy Superman than great. I don't think the dude did a bad job with what he's given. I just think, again, that choices were made that aren't very Superman-y choices. Yes, sir. And those decisions, my friend, will live in infamy, my friend, uh, for as long as they're in the universe until, I guess, someone scrubs them or decides to try to wipe them out. My friend, uh, with this year about to be wiped out by the ravages of time, uh, as we usually end our podcast with, what what is coming into the store? What's on the shelf? What's new? What's hot? What's, uh, what's the books popping off like, my friend? What do you got your eyes on? Oh, man. Well, so this week we had a Gargoyles number one came out. Woo! Woo! Yeah, so it is in the store now. Um, so if you're a Gargoyles fan, and yes, I am talking Disney's Gargoyles, there is a brand new comic book series for it that follows from the end of the animated series. Uh, art and it looks great. Haven't got a chance to read it, but uh, from what I've seen so far, it looks, it looks good. Um, yes. So that guy's out in the store. Um, we have a brand new uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man series that just started. I think all we have left now are variant covers, but it is getting a second printing. So um, as far as the thing, we still have copies right this second. But, yeah, so there's that. It's brand new. Um, man, over on the DC side of things, we just wrapped up Dark Crisis. We have the uh, – I think this is finally the last issue. Big Bang comes out next week. So uh, there might be one more after that, though. I mean, Dark Crisis is kind of a big thing in itself. But when it comes to uh, events, that was the most recent DC event. And uh, as far as the uh, rest of the shape around it, we did start a new Blue Beetle series. Um, doesn't really connect to any of that stuff. It's its own thing. It's uh, Jaime Reyes, and he's got a new miniseries. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Since we just saw the uh, Blue Beetle poster drop um, a couple weeks ago. So uh, that should be neat. So that guy's brand new. Um, as far as other books, we have the first issue of Wildcats out, and the second issue of it comes out next week. And that's Wildcats. So if you were an Image fan... Whenever Jim Lee left and moved to D.C. years ago now, the Wildcats came with him. And, yeah, we've seen a few of them peppered through the universe occasionally. Uh, but now they have their own proper book in proper continuity. And we have appearances of main D.C. characters in issue one and in issue two. So Good uh, for Jim, though. Good, good for Jim. Oh, yeah, no. That's I think that's great for Jim. Sorry. I just think that there's a, it's a kind of a milestone for him as a creator. Go ahead, Steve. My bad. Oh, no, no, you're good, man. Um, yeah, as far as the thing, 
if you are a fan of the original, this does feel kind of like a, oh man, director's James Gunn again. This seems like a James Gunn soft reboot because um, it is an, an origin story for the team together. So whether the old stories will apply or not, uh, at this point I'm going to say no. I'm going to say this is basically like a soft reboot and we're moving forward and while the characters are basically the same characters, we are starting over. And it has been years since the first Wildcats book happened. I mean, we're talking, what, 1994, 93? Yeah, if so, I remember correctly. Yeah, the the imprints, all the uh, image imprints, the four that were the big ones, Savage, Spawn, um, was it Witchblade? Was it Darkness? Uh, Darkness would have been Mark Silvestri's. Um, so we had Spawn, uh, Youngblood. Yeah, that's right. Um, Rob Liefeld. Darkness. Yeah. Yeah, Lay Layfield was young boy. That's right, yeah. Uh Lee Lee's was Wildcats. Yep. Um Sylvester was doing darkness, so That's right. with pieces, uh Shadowhawk we had by Jim Valentino, and then we had Wetworks, which uh I never remember the guy's name. I I felt that Will Portacio maybe. I uh, don't quote me on that. I can't remember if that's the right name. If this was a call for a million dollar thing, I and they're like, Who created Wetworks? I'm not the right person to call. Call Jim <laughs> and I, I wish I, I don't ever remember that guy's name. I feel so bad because I can see his, I can see him in my head, and the dude's, he's he's good. I mean, he had the whole reason the Wetworks didn't pop the way the rest of them did is because of tragedy in his life, which is terrible. Yeah, I feel, I feel bad for the dude. I can never remember his name. <laughs> the guy, so I, that's that's a folly on me. But uh, you know, as a thing, uh, the Wildcats is a new, you know, new launching point at DC, and as far as pieces are concerned, that first year she's pretty neat. So. True. I'm interested to see what issue two does and mm. as a thing. Um, all those things are great. We did have the one-shot issue for Noctera come out, uh, the, uh, the Val story. So uh, that thing has still got one more issue that before the, before the first story arc ends, we have one more issue, which is issue 12. And issue 12 is currently slated for release like in March. I can't even believe it. It's so crazy how long it's taking. But they are also making some kind of deal with Netflix. Well, they did make a deal with Netflix. So it is very possible that the truth of the matter is the reason we haven't had a normal issue in the past nine months is because of the Netflix stuff. It is very possible. But there's been no real answer to why that is. And as a thing, uh, not care is still fantastic. So it gives you plenty of time to catch up because volume one's out, volume two is out. Um, so yeah, get on it because it's great. It's a really great book. It is. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, my friend, is there anything else before I let you go for the evening? I know you got a shop to wrap up and um, probably a whole lot of pop culture to digest. Did we miss anything? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there's so much out there. It'd be hard not to. It's like going to Thanksgiving dinner and you decide not to have all those because, you know, right. you were already full. I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's a good point, man. And, hey, if you ever want any of this and more, Steve's always at Top 5 Comics in the Hillcrest Plaza off First and Orchard. Hit him up on Facebook if you like to do the social media thing, Instagram as well, Top 5 Comics, CBS. He'll be there for you in case you have any questions, comments, concerns, looking for a certain book. Steve's got the resources for you. Be sure you check him out. Steve, my man, hey, I'm glad you had a happy Turkey Day. I know we'll talk before Christmas, but happy holidays uh, regardless, brother. You too, buddy.